Well, praise God. So if you just now turned on the broadcast thinking you were just going to catch praise and worship and you realize you didn't set your clock forward, we still love you. And so just enjoy from there at your home. Praise God. Whoever this section is right here is the one who forgot to set their clock. We won't, we won't call that out or anything, but uh, praise God. So anyway, um, praise God. You know, I, I was really disturbed this morning. You know, I, and I've told you all this before. I have a real heart for the Ukraine because, you know, I, I, I did a lot of ministry over there, a lot of missionary work in the Ukraine for years. Uh, churches were built and printing presses set up and uh, a lot of preaching done and stuff. And so it breaks my heart when I see the towns that I know I preached in and see them totally destroyed by the Russian army. And uh, so it breaks my heart. But, you know, the thing is, I want to tell you, church, is I want to ask you to continue to pray for them, continue to pray for the people over there. I feel helpless. I don't really know what to do. My wife won't let me join the army. And so uh, I was so impressed when, when they said that they would take a 60-year-old. I said, glory to God, somebody wants me, you know. And so uh, anyway, uh, and, and so I'm just trying, I'm just praying and asking God what we can do. I don't know what we can do in the midst of, a, of a, the situation that's there right now. Can't get in the country or out of the country and whatever. But anyway, y'all be praying for this. This is a bad thing. This is not some minor conflict. Listen to me. I'm telling you, it's not some minor conflict. This is going to escalate. And I do not know what's going to happen. And we need to pray because uh, I do not want to see us in World War III. I do not want to see us uh, having to send our sons and grandsons into a, another, uh, you know, Vietnam type situation or another uh, Korean conflict or something of this nature. I don't want to see that. I know God has it all under control. I know God's not surprised by this. I know God didn't wake up one morning and say, ah, you know, the Russians attacked. Uh, I, I know that in, in his wisdom, which a lot of times we can't see, he knows what's going on. But uh, just please keep them in your prayers every day. Just pray for them. Pray that God would arise over that nation, that the enemies would be scattered, the majesty of God would be released into that nation, that he was helping hand and his hand of blessing would be upon them. And uh, pray for the Russians too. I mean, there are Russian people that I, I, I went through all out Russia and preached in Russia. So I have churches and people over there in contacts that, that in Russia that, you know, uh, uh, they need Jesus too, and they need uh, God moving over that whole situation. Amen? But I want to say this, that I feel very strongly that the manifestation of what's taking place right now in Eastern Europe is only the manifestation of what the enemy's trying to do in the spirit all over the world. I think that the devil is rising up. I think that we're in a time that we better be strong as Christians. I think that it's the time we better get our heads out of the sand and quit worrying about our comfort and our, uh, our retirement and start thinking about what are we to do as warriors for Jesus? What are we to do? How are we to be prepared? What are we supposed to be facing the adversities in the, in the situations in the world right now? I can tell you this, griping and complaining about our government's not going to get you anywhere. They need prayer. Griping and complaining about fuel costs is not going to lower it, okay? Uh, we need some wisdom. We need some men and, and, and women of wisdom to be in our government to directing us at this time, not imbeciles. I said it. I don't care. Cut me off of YouTube. Don't make me no difference. 
there is, you know, anybody could figure this out better than what they're doing. And so I'm tired of listening to some progressive green friendly agenda. I believe we need to protect the world. I believe we don't need to dispollute the world. I don't believe that for a minute. You're not going to tell me that God gave us this earth. We need to preserve it. We need to protect it. But we also need to have some fuel. Okay. we also need to have some reason, some understanding. Okay, And so uh, uh, whatever, you know, if you're mad at me, I'm sorry. No, I'm not. I'm just speaking the truth and speaking my heart. Uh, We're just going to have to come to a place of agreement, agree to disagree, or you can just turn me off. Okay, but I'm going to preach to you something that's truth this morning. And I want to start a series uh, on the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to be preaching the next several weeks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit in general, everything about the Holy Spirit. And so if you, if you, you know, if you if you miss a message, uh, you know, I, I encourage you to listen to it, to come back and to, to, to really, really open your ears and open your heart. You know, I wrote a book years ago. It's a little book. I don't even know if you can call it a book. You can call it a pamphlet. It's only 44 pages on the Holy Spirit. And it's in the bookstore. You can get it one in there. And uh, explaining some of what I'm going to be talking about. I've tried to rewrite this book about two or three times. And I go to it and I sit down with the manuscript. And every time I do, uh, the Holy Spirit says, don't touch it. Because, I don't know, this book is is really blessed a lot of people. But um, So I'm going to go off on just a little different vein. I want to do some building here this morning about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I want to let you know, I want you to understand where I came from. Okay, I was raised in a denominational church. I heard all the time about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We prayed it in the Apostles' Creed when we did every Sunday. We said the Apostles' Creed, and we said God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But I was never, ever taught about the Holy Spirit. I was taught about God the Father, the Creator, God the Son, Jesus, but never taught about the Holy Spirit. And so when I got saved, really gave my heart to Jesus and started to live for the Lord with all of my heart, um, I got, in, I got the, introduced into the world of, of the Pentecostal world. Okay, I'll just have to use that as a, as a term, the Pentecostal world. And, uh, and, and if you, to, 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 to tell you the full story, and so we can have just a little bit of laughter here this morning, uh, man, you're talking about a guy that, you know, I mean, I was saved. I knew I was saved. I knew the Bible was true. I knew the Word of God was true. I was excited about it. I was seeing Jesus alive. But this Holy Spirit kept troubling me, you know, because I'd never seen it. And so I was invited to go with some people to a meeting. Uh, and it was I was just told it was a, a, a full gospel meeting, a Pentecostal meeting, you know. And so I didn't know what to expect. Well, I didn't know that it was a women's meeting. And that there was only three men besides the pastor in the church. It was me and the two guys and their wives that we went with. And so we go into this meeting. And so I'm, you know, I'm, man, I'm skeptical. You know, I'm not, I'm not just, I'm not, not really skeptical is a word. I'm, um, I have apprehension, right? And so I sit down in this church. It was not that big of a church, 50, 60 people in the church. And the first thing I observe is that there's no men. And so I'm thinking, how can I be a church of just women? You know, this is not right. And I didn't know it was only a women's meeting that we had barged in on, okay? And so uh, I finally just said, oh, well, whatever. I'm hungry. I'm hungry for God. Because see, there was something on the inside of me that I knew that Jesus was bigger than what I had heard about in my denominational life. 
I knew that as I read the Bible and I saw it leap out and I saw all the things that Jesus did, I was just like, there's more than I got. There's more than just going to church. There's more than just going and sitting and filling a pew and, and, and saying the Apostles' Creed and singing some songs and going home. There's more than just trying to be a good person. There's, there's power in here. I knew it. But I didn't know any, I didn't have any leading, nobody to direct me or guide me, but I just knew it. There, man, Jesus healed, eyes popped open, legs grew. I mean, this is amazing, and I wanted to understand it. So I just went to the wildest thing I could find to try to determine. So I'll never forget, I'm sitting in this meeting. I'd never been in a, in a setting where there was doing praise and worship, even like what we did this morning as... as as easy as this is. And, uh, but I'd never been in anything praise and worship. I'd never seen anybody lift their hands. I had never seen any of these outward things going on. I mean, the church we went into, I was always told to be quiet. And then the, here we go. And the people are lifting hands and I'm thinking, what is this? You know, oh, what's wrong? You know? And, and so, so I'm just apprehensive. I'm just sitting there like, you know, like wondering when to run. And I'd already told my wife, look, you're on your own. I mean, if I get too spooked, I'm bailing. I'm out of here. You can come on. I mean, I'll run over whoever got to to get out the door. I was always watching the door, you know, so I can make a fast exit. So anyway, the meeting goes on. Things get wilder. The music gets up. I see some people like kind of semi-dancing, jumping up, shouting, going on. I'm getting a little bit more nervous. And then I'll never forget it. There was a keyboard player. And this guy was a, a bodybuilder. He was, man, he had some big guns on him. I mean, this guy was a big dude. And there was, this church had a, had a pillar in it. And this guy goes up and he grabs hold of the pillar of the church and he starts praying, you know, and I'm like, oh, God, you know. <laughs> and I'm freaking on the inside. I'm just like, oh, God, you know. It's, if I see martyrs start to crack, man, I'm out of here. I don't know what's going on. This guy's nuts. This guy's crazy, you know? And so I'm getting more apprehensive, more apprehensive. I can't really receive anything from the Lord because I'm so nervous about what's taking place. And then everybody starts speaking in tongues. And then I'm just like, whoa, whoa, you know, what is happening here? And then, then it, just, it just keeps building. And, and I'm so nervous. I'm ready to run. And finally, you know, the, 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 the thing kind of starts to die down a little bit. I see the door. I see the exit. I see the opportunity to run. Man, I bolt. And so I'm sitting in the car. And then my wife comes out. And we, she gets in the car a little later. And I mean, I got in the car and locked the doors. Seriously. <laughs> she gets in. And I look at her and I say, man, I have never seen anything that crazy. That is crazy stuff. And she's like, yeah, man, that, that was out there. And we're talking, and then in a minute, tears come to my eyes. And I look at her and I said, God, something inside of my heart tells me that there is a truth to this. And I'm hungry for God, and I want everything God's got. That set me on the journey to understanding the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That set me on a journey. I, I, I can tell you other stories of other events and things, but then I got bold enough that I was willing to dive into the waters and find out who really the Holy Spirit is. So what I want to share with y'all is my experiences over 35 years of trying to understand uh, and, and, and what I've learned from the Holy Spirit and to try to share it with you to help you on your journey in life because I believe we're not going to make it without a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Okay? So 
I'll say right off the bat, Christians have sensationalized the Holy Spirit. They have misspoken, misrepresented everything in the uh, and uh, anything you can come up with about the Holy Spirit. All right. What I t- what I'm going to attempt to do is to tell you the truth. I want to show you the truth from the Word of God. I want to show you something. I'm not trying to, I'm not preaching from a denomination, okay, or what the denomination brings. I'm trying to show you what the Word of God brings and what the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is and why the Holy Spirit was given to us, okay? So we, like I said a while ago, you understand God the Father, the creator of all things. Nobody questions that. We understand God in the form of Jesus. He was God in human form, but we call him Jesus who came to this earth and gave his life for us all. You all all understand that. Okay, you understand what that's about. But then you got to understand God, the Holy Spirit, who was sent to this earth to lead us and to guide us through this life. Jesus said, I don't want to leave you as orphans, but I'm going to come to you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. He's going to be your helper. He's going to be your comforter. Well, helper and comforter is good words. So I want to state, this is a statement to start out with. The main purpose of the Holy Spirit coming upon this earth is to help you be more like Jesus. That's as simple as I can say it. Go to, get your Bibles out. Go to Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. Now, I want to say this. I, you know, through my 35 years of experience, I have seen, I have seen, and I'm just going to say it, folks. Don't get mad at me. I'm just going to tell you the truth. I have seen tongue talking, Holy Ghost Floor rolling, dancing, shouting, Pentecostal Christians who after the services over would stick you in the back with a knife so quick it'd make your heart skip. All right? So just because you, a person can pray in tongues, I don't even observe their spirituality. Just because a person can dance, you just may be crazy. You just may be extremely emotional. You just may have a, you know, a boogie-woogie to you. I don't know. And I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings here. I'm just trying to preach the truth here this morning, all right? I mean, you can look back in history from the day that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the early church. Crazy stuff happened. Go read the books. of uh, the, the apostle Paul wrote how he went to churches and he was rejected and people came against him. How could that be? Because people are human. And I have learned in life to have a place of grace in my heart because people are just human. Some people are going to be more emotional than other people. Some people are going to be the one that's all friendly and the other one's going to be the person who's stoic and doesn't want to move. And I've just learned to have grace for everybody and respect everybody for whatever, whatever you want to do. All right. Now, it says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 19, My little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Our goal as a Christian, you get saved, you get born again. You come to the revelation that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. You cry out and say, Jesus, I want you into my life. And then according to the word of God, the, 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 the spirit of God comes on the inside of you and your spirit is born again. Hello? But as all of you know out here, who are born again Christians, that did not change your crazy thinking. 
It may have illuminated something to you and then allowed you to read the word and see some illumination from it, but it didn't change your crazy thing. And if you've been crazy up until the time you got saved, you're still crazy. It's in your head. It's in your soul, which then what has to happen? You're saved. You're born again. Your spirit's born again. But then the Holy Spirit wants to come into your life and help you to become more like Christ. Christ being formed on the inside of us. That's what the work of the Holy Spirit's about. To come upon you and tap you on the shoulder and say, Robert, no. No, no, no. That's, that's not the answer. Don't do that. It's to come up and, and see the thing about the Holy Spirit most people don't understand is he's such a gentleman. The Bible says don't grieve the Holy Spirit. He comes up and gently taps on your shoulder, pulls on your shirt gently and says, don't do that. That's going to lead to destruction. The other day, I, was, I, I did what we all do. I allowed my thinking to get into a negative place about everything going on, and then that built more, and then that, I lost my peace. And uh, I was trying to fight to get my peace back, and the Holy Spirit gently said to me, it's your thinking. Change your thinking. And I said, I can't, I just said to him, I can't think of anything good to think about. And he said, well, you're looking in the wrong place. I said, what do you mean I'm looking in the wrong place? And he says, you're looking at circumstances and situations and problems and the world and people. Look to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. And I was like, yeah, how many times have I preached that? Because see, I'm just like y'all. There's nothing, I don't, man, I wish I got a benefit from being the preacher. I wish I got a pass. I wish I got something extra, but I didn't. I got to do it just like y'all do, plus preach to you and try to be nice. It's the power of the Holy Spirit coming with inside of us to form Christ in us. Now, denominations have had war over. Did you get all of God when you got saved or is the baptism of the Holy Spirit a subsequent experience that comes about? And I'm telling you this, folks, I need everything God's got. I need, I, I need everything in his war chest. I need it coming to me all the time. I need everything that heaven's got to keep Robert walking straight. I want it all. Now let me go to this, this one that just curl your toes. Go to 1 Corinthians 13, 1. I know this is not going to be very popular until I get to next week's message, but y'all are just going to have to hear it all. Y'all were the good Christians that got up here on time and showed up. 1 Corinthians 13, 1. The love chapter. Everybody wants to skip the love chapter. Here we go. Though I, what? Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understanding all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. What? But you see, there's a world out there that believes if you have a word of knowledge or if you have a prophecy or you can operate in the gifts of the Spirit, you're something. But the Bible says if you have that but you have not love, you're nothing. That's what he said. I didn't say it. Paul said it. And I'm just reading the scripture. I'm just being the preacher. He said, you're nothing without love. 
Don't tell, listen, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna jump on my soapbox for a minute. Don't tell me how you can pray in tongues and how you can operate in the gifts of the Spirit and how you had a word of knowledge and how you laid hands on somebody, but you can't love your wife. You can't get along with your neighbor. You can't love people. Folks, the goal is love. It's not your great spirituality. And that's what I believe is wrong with a lot of things that have taken place in the Pentecostal world. Now, am I Pentecostal? Well, by definition, I am. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not kicking the word Pentecostal because if you're going to go use the word Pentecostal, it means are you baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues and an operation of the gifts and believe the whole, whole counsel of God's word? Yes. So I'd fall into that category. So I'm not knocking and saying the word Pentecostal is bad. I'm just saying people that have gone and done things declaring they're spiritual, but they don't have love. The Bible says that is nothing. You do not measure a Christian by the amount of spiritual gifts they can operate in. You measure a Christian by the amount of how much is Christ formed in them and how much can they walk in love? Because if you read on down, it says you got to be able to bear all things, believe all things. Huh? Who wants to do any bearing and believing? I believe a lot of people got into the Pentecostal world because they were looking for the quick fix, the easy way out. The drive up to the, 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 the window, the go fast window and say, hey, you know, give me a Rondi Shondi and let me get out of here. <laughs> Slap some oil on my head and let me be free. I mean, I'm just telling you, my observance for the last 35 years, a lot of people don't want to change. A lot of people don't want to get love in their heart. A lot of people do not want to forgive, but they want me to lay hands on them, operate in the power of God, slap the oil on them, hit the ground, flop around like a fish and jump up and everything's okay. But I'm telling you, you can hit the floor, you can flop around like a fish, but if Christ is not formed on you, you're going to walk out that door and you're going to be the same person the next day. So I'll be honest with you. As I have matured in Christ, I'm just not interested in how many people I can get to flop on the floor. I am interested in how many people I can get to walk in love. I am interested in how many people I can get to be a warrior for Jesus because they're co-compelled by love because love conquers all. Oh, me and the Holy Ghost, we're friends. We're buds. And you won't get Pentecostal? I'll get Pentecostal with you. But we better see some love and we better see something happening. I'm not by any means here today denying the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's my best friend. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I believe in, in tongues. I believe in, in the power gifts. I believe in the words of knowledge. I believe in prophecy, but I believe it has to be rooted and based in love. And once you get it rooted and based in love, whoo, man, there ain't nothing can stop you. But if Christ is informed in you, you become like a child with a machine gun. You are a danger to yourself and all of those around you. You're just like, <laughs> killed half your own group. And that's not, that's not what Jesus wants us to do. Jesus wants us to be people of love with Christ formed on the inside of us, operating in the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit, not for our good, not for our pleasure, not for our um, 
self-esteem or the esteem of others. Look at me, I'm the great prophet. No, it's that love can then move through us and flow to the world and see people set free. Go to Colossians 1.27. Are y'all still with me? Everybody okay? I mean, I don't, want, I don't want to beat you up too bad. I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm trying to shake us. Because I believe Living Waters Church, the, 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 the outreach that we have into the world, I believe that we, this group of people right here, can change the world around us. But I believe that we're going to have to do it with every weapon that we possibly can get our hands on in order to see God move. Because the bottom line is we're not big enough as a church to really get out there and do the pushing and the shoving and the natural. We gotta do it by the supernatural. And the only way I can do it by the supernatural is we have to have warriors full of God, born again, washed in the blood of Jesus, know the power of the Holy Spirit and letting love burst forth from them. And I'm telling you what, we'll see some things happen. Amen? Colossians 1.27. It says, to them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. Everybody say in me. Folks, listen to me. It's, if you're born again, if Jesus is the Lord and Savior of your life, Christ is in you. The same Jesus that walked the the dusty roads of Nazareth, the same Jesus that, that healed and set people free and loved people and gave his life for all of us is in you. And it's the hope of glory. So the two main areas that, that, that the Holy Spirit's trying to work within us is first of all, to get us straight in our, in our souls, in our mind, in our thinking. That's why we're so big on freedom prayer around here because you, you have to be set free. Listen, if the message last week that Brother Ivan preached about uh, the, the enemy breathing down your neck and, and all the different things. It was so good. We need to listen to it over and over and over again to, so you can recognize when the voice of the enemy is speaking to you and getting you over in doubt and unbelief and down off into the ditch. You know that most sports athletes, you know, they, have a, they, they usually go and have a sports psychologist that helps them because most of everything going on is in their head to make them the better player. I mean, if you're standing there dribbling the basketball and you're standing on the free throw line and it's in your head, oh, God, I'm not going to make this. You're not going to make it. Well, as a Christian, if you're standing around the same thing on the free throw line of life and the enemy is telling you and you've got a good voice going in there, you're not going to make it. You're doomed. You'll never make it. Well, then, folks, I want to tell you something. You're going to have a difficult time doing it. But what the Holy Spirit wants to do is get that out of you. To where you're hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit come into your life. The voice of the Holy Spirit blowing and flowing in your life so that you, you're hearing the sweet voice of Jesus to you, building you and forming Christ in you. And there's not a one of us sitting here. If, if we say we are, if you say you're, you already got it all down, you're a liar. And that's what that's, I mean, the bottom line, that's what's in you is you have a spirit of lying. You've deceived yourself. Because every one of us have those issues and every one of us have those problems. You never get to a place. We'll never leave until we leave planet Earth and go to heaven. Will we ever defeat all of that the enemy will throw at us? All right. But you certainly can get sharper. You certainly can get better at what you do. You certainly can get get. I mean, Johnny on the spot, man, everything. You said, shut up, devil. 
And then you just go on. Instead of listening until he's got you in depression and torment, right? There's bad things going on in the world, and there's bad things happening in people's lives. But let me tell you something. If you're born again and you're saved, and Christ lives on the inside of you, you already got the biggest battle won. But now the Holy Spirit wants to help you be more Christ-like, okay? And then the second reason for the Holy Spirit working is simply this. He's trying to develop it in you so you can help the world. The lost people out there, the people that need help, the people that don't know about Jesus, the people that are tormented and distressed and, and downtrodden and, and, and just in a mess. People are so deceived. Hello? People are so deceived. And they're walking in darkness. And there's so many people that are deceived now that are wanting to take their deception and then spread it on to others so that more deception is created because they believe that they're right. When the truth of the matter is, they're just leading more people down the road to hell. Okay? Go to John 16. John 16, 5. Y'all still love me? Still with me? Want me to keep preaching or just have the music team come up here and play a few more songs? Let's go home. <clears throat> you know, because it's a lot of things. We don't want, a lot of times we don't want to change. But we have to. John 16, 5. This is Jesus speaking. He says, but now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Now, if Jesus is speaking, it's in red. And Jesus says, I'm going to tell you the truth. I have to believe it's the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Now, just think about that, folks. Just stop right there and ponder that for a minute. If Jesus Christ is saying, it's to your advantage that I'm going to go away, wow, what an advantage that must be. If the greatest thing that ever hit earth says it's good that I'm going because this that's coming is better, then why would we not want the Holy Spirit in our lives? Why would we be scared to under, come into the understanding of the Holy Spirit? See, I, I joke with old David over here all the time because one of the things I hate is electricity. I've been shocked a couple of times, did it wrong, and got shocked, and that just is just the feeling of that. I don't like it. I don't want to get shocked. And so when I look at an electrical outlet, when I look at that thing, I see it as like, like a snake. It has the ability to leap out of there and bite me. I don't want to mess with it. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Uh, I call him all the time about simple things just because I said, like, okay, now if I do this, you know, he says, well, make sure you turn the breaker off. And I turn all breakers off. I shut the whole system down. I'll drop. It's like the if you were looking from above and you saw it, it's just like everything. Because I'm going to do one simple thing. And I did it and I got it done. And so I, I, I was trying to change a plug out. And so he told me how to do it. I knew how to do it, but I just needed somebody to coach me. And then he tells me how to do it. And then I say, okay, I can do it. And then I had to go over there, but I'm still with all the power off, scared to death of the thing. And I'm like, I do, he gets mad at me this because I don't use a tester. I take a screwdriver with a big handle on it and I just stick it across the things, let it bark off on my screwdriver and sit it down my hand. And uh, so 
So it was dead and I fixed it. But a lot of people are like that with the Holy Spirit. They're scared to death of the Holy Spirit. They're scared to get over there. They're scared they're going to get shocked, scared something's going to happen, scared the Holy Spirit's going to come upon them and, and, and jump on them and get their tongue. And they're going to, you know, go to speaking in tongues or barking like a dog or doing something weird or, you know, whatever. They're going to lose control. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit is not like that. If that happens to you, well, you need to come talk to me. Because the Holy Spirit's not like that. And if Jesus said, it's an advantage that I'm going away and the one I'm sending to you, then I'll tell you what, folks, every one of us need to be research, search, seek out everything the Holy Spirit has to offer. Because, folks, if Jesus said it's an advantage that he's here, I don't, I mean, that, that's enough right there to, to blow your mind, okay? He says, but I have said these things to you and sorrow, so you're okay. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper, everybody say the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more, and of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. The first thing you need to realize here is that the Holy Spirit was sent by Jesus. Prior to Jesus' resurrection, the Holy Spirit only came upon the kings, the priests, and the prophets, and it only came upon them for just a, a momentary thing, for them to do a duty or to prophesy or to be inspired to write something or something like that. It, just, it was not indwelling us. But he says, I'm going to go to my father, and when I do, my blood's poured out on the mercy seat, then I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to come and fill the believer. So the Holy Spirit is a gift to you, given to you by Jesus. The other day I was complaining. I was saying something wrong. I was talking out of my mouth the wrong stuff. My wife said to me, <clears throat> and she gave me a scripture. And I looked up to heaven and I said, Lord, there's a gift working right there because you said that a good wife is a gift from the Lord. Thank you, my gift's working today, Lord. She was right, I was wrong. But it was a gift from God that I had a prudent wife to give me the word. Hello? How much more when you start to think about it that Jesus, whoo, come on, we're talking Jesus, who died for the world, who loved you so much he gave his life for you, would send you a gift and you would be scared of it or deny it? Act like it's a hot electrical circuit? Just think of how shameful that is. So if Jesus is giving me a gift, I want everything he's got. Amen? The second thing you need to see is that he's sent to be your helper. A helper means you need help. Those of you that, that you know, work in construction, you know, you have a master carpenter, then you have a carpenter's helper. What does a carpenter's helper do? Helps a carpenter. I mean, what else you say? He's the guy that goes and gets the saw. He's the guy that puts saw horses up. He's the guy that gets the lumber. He's the guy that put it up there for you to cut, and then you do the next one up and he cut. A helper? Okay, now wait a minute. Think of this. Think of this. The third person of the Trinity the helper of the Holy Spirit is sent to you. Man, folks, and what, what can't we do? You're going to tell me we can't overcome? You're telling me we can't conquer? You're telling me that, we, we, that the devil's going to get advantage over us when you're talking about a defeated devil? 
We're talking about Jesus. Listen, go read Revelation. Go read Revelation 1 where he says, I have the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He's already won. It's already settled. It's already over with the devil lost. Jesus is in charge. And he sent the Holy Ghost to us to be our helper. And we're saying we can't overcome that where the devil's going to keep us in depression, that the lie of the enemy is going to come to us. Shame on us. Shame, 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 shame on us. The other day, and I'm just telling you, listen, I'm not preaching like I have risen to the pinnacle of perfection. I'm preaching to y'all from experience. But the other day, I'm, I'm actually doing my walk. I'm walking and I'm praying. I'm just talking to the Lord and I'm, I'm, I'm discouraged. And I'm, I'm saying to the Lord, Lord, I don't understand. I mean, I can't see how you're going to pull this off. And then as I was walking, I just stopped and said, wait a minute. I don't have to see how you're going to pull this off. All I have to know is what your word says. And so, Lord, I'm just quoting what your word says. Even when I'm faithless, you're still faithful. And so I just began to quote word out of my mouth. And by the time I got there, matter of fact, the problem with walking and praying is that I'm supposed to be walking at a certain speed and I get all excited. And then I, I walk so much, my hips were hurting that night when I went in there because I was flying. <laughs> Man, I'm running because I got the word. And I'm just speaking the word out of my mouth and getting there. And by the time I got around, I was encouraged, but I'd hurt myself. <clears throat> my point is, folks, listen to me. We got to either be real. Listen, I don't need to have a church. I don't need to do this. Man, I'll go to work on some ranch somewhere out in the middle of nowhere where I never see a person. I don't want to have a church and just have a church. I don't want to do this because we just need to have a club that y'all come to. I want to do this because it's truth. It's the reality. It's the living word coming into our life that changes us, sets our course for eternity, and then we can bless others out there and set their course on eternity. Hello? I'm telling you, church. We don't want a club. We want a living, vibrant church. What is a church? A church, the word church, it means the ecclesia, the body of Christ. All of those who are believers gathered together. But what's happened, and I hate to say it, but what's happened is, is people have sorted themselves up and gotten into churches where they can find that they can be friends and that it suits them. And so it's like going into Baskin Robbins, you know. Like, I don't like men ice cream. I hadn't eaten ice cream in years, but I know can tell you, I don't like men ice cream. I, just leave it alone. Okay. It's got to be chocolate or vanilla or something in that deal. I don't even really like strawberry ice cream. Like, like I, I would never eat strawberry. I, it's just like, leave it alone. That's not what it's supposed to be. And, and what have you done? And the more they mess with ice cream, so I would be all sorting over into the category of the people who only wanted vanilla or chocolate. But there are men ice cream lovers. And so they're going to sort themselves. And that's what Christians have done. They sorted themselves into denominations, not really because that's what they know the word of God says, but it's because they were comfortable going there. I don't ever want to be comfortable with Jesus. You hear what I'm saying? I want to be stretched at all times. I do not want to get so comfortable to Jesus that I'm going to go sit myself down on the throne and put my foot up on the altar and kick back and say, oh, I got it made. No, I continually want God as he's stretching me in life by the Holy Spirit to keep illuminating in life of what I need to do and grow and be more Christ-like. Because I know I'm not at the point where I can say, Lord, we look the same. We think the same. All right? 
I'm glad there's not mind readers, that that's a real thing. Because if you ever read my mind, sometimes you'd say, oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> then the third thing is, is that the Holy Spirit was sent to convict the world. Folks, listen to me. We need to have a good, healthy dose of conviction. When you're doing wrong, acting wrong, talking wrong, thinking wrong, you need to be convicted, not condemned. What's the difference? Condemnation puts you down, tells you you're a lowly worm, you'll never make it. If you're living under condemnation, that's wrong. You're living under guilt. You're living under, you know, the, the oppression of that. That is condemnation. That is of the devil. Conviction is you do it wrong. You said the wrong thing. The Holy Spirit taps you on the shoulder and says, <clears throat> you shouldn't have said that. That wasn't Christ-like. This is what the word says, and this is how you need to apply it to your life. Let me help you become more like Christ. That's conviction. And we all need conviction in our life. You, when you do something wrong, you should be grieved down here in your spirit. If you're not, <laughs> something's wrong. You've hardened your heart somewhere. You've become calloused. And you're a danger to everyone around you. I'll go on. <clears throat> Fourth one is, he says that he would show us what righteousness is. Folks, when I just preached that message about the, holy, about the blood of Jesus here a couple of weeks ago, I was astounded by it, to be honest with you. I went home and re-listened to it. I took notes. Because I didn't have it down. I preached that message and I got through and I was like, wow, where'd that come from? And I want to tell you something. It is the Holy Spirit that reveals things to you like the blood of Jesus and what it did for you and that puts you in right standing with God and what that means. Because if you've been beaten down in life, if you've been put down in life and told you're nothing, and then you can grab the revelation by the Holy Spirit that you are a son of the living God, born again, washed in his blood, your sins are forgiven, you're right with him, that God's right there with you and you have that down on the inside of you, folks, you you are an asset to the kingdom of heaven and an asset to all those in the world around you. That's what righteousness is, understanding that you're in right standing with God. And Christians are bound up. They're all going around. We say we're Christians, but we're not living it out. Why? Because there's no relationship with the Holy Spirit. And that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit's about, getting that revelation within you of righteousness and all the other things that he wants to bring forth in your life, okay? So then the fifth thing was, is that he wants to show you that the devil is defeated. But folks, listen to me. You have to have your eyes open sometimes to think the devil's defeated because sometimes it's just like he's got you by the tail and you think he's got you and his hole can't be broken. This is the way it was in your grandma's life. That's the way it was in my mother's life. And that's the way it's going to be in my life. No, the devil is defeated. Amen. Jesus has the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Yes, this is what the Holy Spirit's for, to illuminate you. We should be crying out all the time for the Holy Spirit to be in our lives. Okay? Now, if by the power of God, the Holy Spirit, we stop the demonic influence in our lives, Hear me now. Then there's going to be no more pity parties, no more days of depression, no more days of torment, no more court battles in your minds, no more plotting of revenge. That's when I get caught on. I'll be honest with you. I forgive. I think I've forgiven. 
And then I find myself plotting. And the Holy Spirit's there to say, no, Robert, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I said, yeah, but you said vengeance is mine. No, it says, says the Lord. It means it's his. Oh, okay. And then I find scriptures like blows drive away foolishness. I said, see? <laughs> and the Holy Spirit says, no, no, no. But when we have a mind that stayed on Christ, then we have Christ in us, and then that glory that's in us can be there to bless others. And so that's what the Holy Spirit's for. Go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5.22. Galatians 5.22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit. Everybody say the fruit of the Spirit. So what does that mean? Think about it. Fruit of the Spirit, that means what is, what, 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 what's coming from the plant that is the Holy Spirit, right? The fruit of the Spirit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? What does the Spirit look like? What does the Holy Spirit look like? So can I just, let me improvise here a little bit. But the fruit of the Spirit is tongue talking, loud screaming, raising hands, jumping, flopping, twisting, jerking. That's not what it says. It says the fruit of the Spirit is... What's the first one? Love. Aha! Goes back to 1 Corinthians 13. It reminds me of the story. You know, it's, I think it's number 26. <clears throat> when, we were, when we were in Africa, building a Bible school over there, and we were outside, and I know a lot of y'all heard this, but I know there's a few faces that haven't, so I'm going to tell it like you never heard it. We'd been working all day, building this Bible school, digging out there in the Kalahari. It was hot. It was dusty. We we're in this motel, but it was, there's was no air conditioning. It was hot in the rooms. And so everybody was sitting outside. A bunch of us guys were sitting outside, and this guy comes out of the bar. There's a bar there. And he comes staggering out of the bar, and he comes walking up. And so he said, asked us, he said, uh, you know, where are you from? We start the conversation. We're from Texas. We're building a Bible school. And he said, oh, you're Christians. And I said, yes, sir, we're Christians. And he said, uh, Ah, weak-minded people. He said, the only reason why a person becomes a Christian is they're weak and weak-minded and can't live in the world. I said, really? I said, that, that's kind of harsh. And he said, yeah, you Christians, you, you guys are just simpletons. Just. And he just kept on like this. And so he says, you can't even prove to me there's a God. And I said, well, I can prove there's a God. And he said, you can't prove there's a God. And I said, oh, yeah, I can prove there's a God. I'll prove it to you right now. I said, you see, before I got saved, I would take your face right now and use it as a mop on that floor. But because Jesus lives in me, I'm going to show you love, brother, and I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Man, he didn't like that at all. And so he got twisted and mad, and he got up throwing things around. He stumbles back in the bar, and I didn't think much of it, but I kept an eye on the door. Here in a minute, he comes out with the biggest South African I'd ever seen in my life. This guy looked like a chiseled Greek god coming out of there. <laughs> He's walking right to us, and I was like, oh, Robert, you just had to open your mouth. You're going to get yourself in trouble here. This guy's huge. He comes up, and he says, uh, my friend here says, y'all are Giving him a hard time. He's all bowed up. You know, he wants to fight. And I said, no, hold on. I said, hold on. I said, that's not the truth. I said, he started it. He said that I couldn't prove there was a God. And I said that there was a God. 
and I could prove it because I would use his face as a mop on the floor, but I'm not going to do that because Jesus lives in my heart. And he looked at me and says, you're a Christian? I said, yes, sir. And he looked at his friend and says, you're not? And the guy looked at him. He's like, you are? And he's like, yeah, I believe in God. What's the matter with you? You don't believe in God. How could you not believe? And, uh, and his anger turned towards his friend. Got his friend started shaking around. So I said, I'm sorry, guys. I got to go take care of my friend. He's not a Christian. Drug him off. I just like, thank you, Jesus, man. Our God's working. There's a sign right there in heaven. That got to clean my plow, man. But love is the key thing. Yes, Lord. Oh, what is this strange three-letter word after love? Huh, what is that? How many old prune-faced Christians you seen? Ain't got an ounce of joy in their life. They're too busy running around pointing the finger at everybody else that doesn't look like their mole thinks they should look. What about joy? That's the fruit of the Spirit. You show me some old dried-up prune-faced Christian, I'll show you somebody that doesn't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because the fruit of the Spirit is joy. Oh, so you say, well, pastor, sometimes I'm not too happy. You're not, having, you're not spending time with the Holy Spirit. You say, well, I would be happy if everything would line up right. We don't get that luxury. I've always thought about the, the Christians that they fed to the, in, you know, the Sunday evening meals for the lions when they watched them in the Colosseum and fed them and they would say that the Christians were it was so amazing because they'd be singing the praises of God and the Spirit of God would be so strong there in the Colosseum as they were being killed that people would be touched by God and get saved out of that. Okay. And I was, I've always looked at it and said, well, Lord, that's all well and good, but I don't think I'd like to be eaten by a lion. So why didn't you just come down and stop the lion's mouth? Or let all of his teeth just fall out as he was running. Well, it didn't work like that all the time. All I can tell you is that Christians are supposed to be full of love. Christians are supposed to be full of joy. Yes. Christians are supposed to be full of peace. Yes, Lord. Now, you would do the same, but if I'm around somebody and all they're doing is talking bad, I don't want to be around them. So I leave. Okay? Well, the Holy Spirit's kind of the same way. If all that's coming out of your mouth is everything that's opposite of love, joy, and peace, he kind of tends to want to get up and leave. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm just saying your helper left. Long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-controlled. Against such, there is no law. And those who are Christians have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. For if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoke one another, envy one another. Now look at this. Do you notice he says, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. So there's two things there, living in the spirit and walking in the spirit. It's one thing to say you're a Christian and be a Christian, be saved. You, got, you know, you died, you'd go to heaven. You know it. But it's a whole completely different thing to walk in the spirit where now you're taking the relationship you have with Jesus out into the world and everybody around you wants what you got because they see you as something that's blessed. Amen. 
Proverbs 28, 13. I'm going to have to stop here in just a minute. So just hold on. Proverbs 28, 13. He who covers his sins will not prosper. I, I, how, can you, how can you get any more plain than that? So folks, all I'm telling you today is the Holy Spirit's there to help you. That when you have unforgiveness in your heart and you've not forgiven somebody, I'm just using it as an example. You've not forgiven somebody who has wronged you. Okay? You will not prosper. And this is the Holy Spirit there saying, come on, you need to move. You need to do this and do that so that you can forgive and you can get there so that we can go on and go on to victory to this place of joy. I want you over here in joy. He's your helper. He's trying to guide you and lead you in the right way. Not somebody that's going to jump on you and, you know, make you bark like a dog. Overcome you. And so Christians have missed the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives because they've been, a, they've been looking at this Pentecostal experience and saying the way man has demonstrated the Holy Spirit is, oh, that, I'm, I don't like that. I'm scared of that. And I'm telling you, whatever they did, they did. Forget about it. I'm showing you what the Word says about the Holy Spirit, why we want the Holy Spirit in our life, why we need the Holy Spirit in our life. And then I'm going to show you in the next few weeks all the power things that are up the Holy Spirit and how they should be operated in. But if you don't get this first message, the rest ain't going to make any difference. You're sitting around, I just want to see how to shoot the big gun. Then you're just going to get messed up. Hello? Okay, so I got a bunch more, but we'll pick it up next week. This help you? Yes. Huh? You going to come back next week? Listen again? All right, well. I'm going to keep preaching. <laughs> Praise God. I got to put down in my notes here where I stop. If I don't, then I want to go over all that other again. So I had to write that in there right quick. Save y'all 15 minutes next week. Okay, so I want you to stand up if you would. And if you're watching out there, matter of fact, let me have a prayer team come down, please. If you're watching out there, listen to me. Jesus loves you. He cares for you. I'm telling you, he wants to touch your life. He wants to help you to know him. The Holy Spirit is there for you for nothing but the asking. But I want to ask you right now, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not sure today if you died, you'd go to heaven. Well, I just want to tell you, all you have to do is call out upon his name right there. You call out upon the name of Jesus and he will touch you right there and be with you right there. For those of you in here, our prayer team's up here. Listen, today, if you, if you just need to rededicate your life to Christ or today you need to, 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 for the very first time, give your heart to Jesus, well, that's why they're here. They're not here for their good looks. They're here for you. Amen. Now, I also want to tell you this. Next week, I want to get into more about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and how you receive the Holy Spirit and how all that works. And then we're going to be praying for you then again. But, you know, the Holy Spirit... It simply just takes, it's the same way as you got saved. You just have to ask for the Holy Spirit to come into your life. That's it. There is no tearing. There is no weeping, crying, begging. You cannot earn the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is received by faith, just like you received Jesus into your life. I encourage you this next week to start looking for the Holy Spirit. If you don't know the Holy Spirit, you've not understood what I've said, you're like, the Ephesians 19 people that said, we, not, we hadn't even heard there's a Holy Spirit. And if that's you, well, then listen to me. He's there, and he's there for you. He's your helper. 
But you need to call out upon him. You need to ask him to come into your life. You need to ask him to be with you and lead you and guide you and invite him into your home. Now he likes things cleaned up. Amen. But he's going to show you how to live victoriously. And so stay tuned for next week. Come back. It's going to keep going and we're going to get there. Amen. But let me pray for you now as we leave. And if you need prayer, we're here to pray with you. But Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you, Lord, for, the, for giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we see clearly from the scriptures that you sent the Holy Spirit to us. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to come into our lives and to show us and to reveal unto us and to form Christ in us. We want to be more Christ-like. We want to walk like, like Jesus. You want us to walk and we want to, we want to be that person who's loving and peaceful and joyful, Lord God, as a Christian. And so, Lord, I thank you this day that you just begin to soak this message into the hearts of all those listening. That, Lord, that the Holy Spirit just has his free reign through us because we're not getting in the way. We're waiting and listening for you. So, Lord, I ask you to bless them. Bless this week. Bless everything we're doing. Let us go out and talk to people and reach people and tell people about this loving, loving, loving Jesus who gave his life for us. So, Lord, bless them now exceedingly abundantly beyond they could even thank or ask, oh God, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.